This is the Ezra Podcast. And I think I learned a valuable lesson this week. We had Jermel Charlo versus Brian Castano, in which was the, the undisputed 154-pound champion was going to be a crowned after this fight. This is a fight that, you know, as boxing fans, we love, right? You get the two best guys currently at that weight, and they fight each other for everything. This is what we need in boxing constantly. And what came out of this fight was exactly why people clamor for the two best guys in the weights to constantly fight each other. And that's why we should do it every weight division. All the time. And every week, you should turn on the fight. Every weekend, you should turn on the fight on Saturday. And it's the two best guys in those weights. And then it's the guys and everyone that's fighting under card, the guys right below them. And they're fighting the next guy ranked right next to them. And you would get the best fights because boxing has proved that that's exactly what happens. Every time this happens, you will get an interesting outcome or a great fight. And we got a great fight with Jamal Charlo and Brad Castano. Now, it wasn't without controversy, but I'm going to go into the controversial part because I was someone that was on Twitter saying that this was a robbery and all that. I'm going to I'm going to tell you what how I feel today because that's how I felt yesterday. Let me tell you how I feel today. So you go into this fight, Jamal Charlo, it kind of goes exactly the way I thought it was going to go. I thought Charlo would be pushed back. But I thought that Charlo would have the legs and the the counters to eventually catch Brian Castano on the way in and finish the fight. Now, I knew Brian Castano was going to apply pressure, and that's what he did. He applied pressure, very intelligent pressure, not just um, coming in head first. No, there was he used um, multiple ranges, right? He didn't punch from the same range. He switched up his ranges. He switched he switched up what uh, what punch came first. Uh, Body and head, which way he kind of had Charlo thinking. He really had Charlo thinking in this fight. Charlo stood pretty, um, pretty disciplined in this fight because Charlo sometimes will take chances. He'll take chances to see if he can get you out of there. He'll bum rush you sometimes. He'll he'll explode with the, a combination just to see if he could sneak something in there or you know just uh, out you know ability you and and you know apply you know his superior speed and power and the the combination that he has. And, you know, take those chances. He didn't take those chances in this fight. Even when he hurt Castano, which he hurt him twice in this fight, he he was very, like, very, very disciplined, very controlled. He, I think that he respected Castano, and I think he knew that if he didn't get Castano out of there, it was going to be hard with Castano applying a lot of pressure the next few rounds and him trying to get back all the stamina that he burnt trying to get the finish of the fight. Now, Castano for sure proved that he is at a very high level of fighting. We know Jamel Charlo. Jamel Charlo had been proving he was at a very high level fighting. He's in my pound for pound, uh, ten, top 10 pound for pound. Castano proved that he is at that level of those fighters that are in those top 10 pound for pound. Um, Castano, of course, like I said, applied pressure. So, But when Charlo hurt him, he, never, he didn't get the finish. He didn't get the drop. So if you're watching the fight, and I watched it in a, in a room you know, with my family and friends, and when you're seeing it, And you're watching it, and when a guy's applying pressure, and he, he's uh, you know pushing the guy back, sometimes it, even if you're you're watching it, and maybe you miss a few punches here and there, it looks like you're gonna favor that guy because he's applying the pressure, he's going to work, and I think that's what happened. So when I was watching it, I'm like, okay, he's applying all the pressure, he's throwing a lot of punches, he must be winning the fight. So goes to the scorecards, and I have Casano up big. Ends up being a draw. One judge has Charlo up big, which I don't agree with that. But uh, the other judge has Castano up by a round. And the other uh, judge has it a draw. 
Now, I get on Twitter, I say it's a robbery. I tell you, sorry, I get arguments with people saying like it's robbery, not scoring the fight correctly, wanting to get around the Charlo, all those things. Right? But the thing is, is the thing, the hardest thing about boxing is it, it's the, ju- the judges, right? That's the hardest thing because what are they looking for? And the thing with the judges are so important, but they're not well known. They're not names. There's no scouting report on the judges. There's no uh, grade for them. There's not a part where they, you know, when a big fight sign where they decide the judges and people can, you know, uh, um, counter and say, you know, it's not, we can't at least view that part, right? You can say, well, you know, this judge, he, people, he has a 100% approval rating from the fans, from, you know, boxing. And this one has a 60% approval rating. We don't want him. Right, we this judge looks for this in this type of fight. He this judge favors this in this type of fight. Also, there's not even a clear thing on what are people looking for when they score a fight. What should we be looking for? What should the fans be looking for? What should the judges be looking for? What should everybody be looking for? Right, that's not 100 percent clear. Some people like ring generalship. Some people don't care about ring generalship. Some people, uh, um, some people count body shots equivalent to headshots. Other people will go off what punch looks more effective or damage done, which is to me pretty hard to judge as what damage is done unless the guy's on you know uh, on a noodle he's noodle legged and he's wobbling around the ring trying to survive. Then I can see it, but as far as a punch lands and then you're like, well, that's more effective than another guy's punch. See, it's all muddy. It's all muddied, right? We don't really know how to look at these fights. We don't. We're not all on the same page. And I think that boxing would do itself a favor if that was more open to the public. If that was more, they were more um, transparent with what they're looking for, how the judges are picked, what's the judge's experience, are these judges graded, should we pick judges like this? So the judges, um, should each network have their judges? Maybe, I'm not not saying that's a good idea. What I'm saying is we haven't even bringing out other ideas. We've just been doing it this way and no one... You can't even interview the judge. You can't even see what he was thinking. He can't even explain the situation. All these things are leading to maybe when the maybe it's not a robbery, right? Maybe the judge just saw it one way, but we can't even understand what he's thinking. He can't even explain himself. So all this leads is after a great fight, it just leads to confusion. Now I told you I scored for Brian Castano, but what I did today is I woke up, I kept thinking about it, right? And I said I have to rescore it. So I went, I sat down, I watched the fight on my own, I scored every round. Pull this up real quick. Okay, I scored every round. So the first round, I get a Castano. Now, there's not a lot happening. Castano wins on just a work rate. Castano's just working in this fight, and Charlo's really just watching it, letting the fight play out. Round two goes to Charlo. Charlo hurts him with the left hook. Clearly a Charlo round. Now, I never felt like he was close to finishing him. I just felt that he had landed the shot to hurt Castano, push Castano back. It was clear that he had done the most damage in that round. Then I go to round three. Castano back on outworks Charlo. Charlo, um, like I told you, he never really went for it. He never really went for the finish. So then Castano takes that back. Round four, these are when the the rounds get really close to me. Round four goes Castano again. I think he does the more effective work. Now, they're both landing shots, and Charlo's shots are more spread out. It's more one at a time, but he's landing effective shots. Now, when you're judging a, a, a three-minute round, and I don't I don't know how people's technique of judging it, but I'm just judging it while watching it. And I, to me, I don't care about ring generalship. I don't care about any of that. All I care about is who's landing the most effective punches. To me, Castano's landing the most effective punches in round four. But Charlo's landing as well. Round five, I go to Charlo. Now Charlo's picking his shots. Uh, he starts these rounds off by kind of like pushing Castano back. I think Castano is, at that point, was kind of, you know, 
allowing himself to push back. I think he was taking breaks, filling out Charlo, and then he would apply pressure at the end of the round. So I give five and six to Charlo. I think he, he like I said, there's parts where Castano's working, but he's hitting Charlo on the arms. Charlo's doing some a pretty good defense in this fight. Uh, at first, when I first saw, I thought he was a little panicky when he put against the ropes. But then I, I seen this fight, and I was like, no, he was pretty controlled. He 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 was. It was one of more his more better defensive fights that he's ever had. He actually fought more like Jamal Charlo um in this fight than 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 his previous performances um go going around seven castano takes that one uh like i said four to seven all i circled all these rounds as they're close rounds you can to me i i i the way i scored them is the way i scored them but i'm just saying if a judge had it you know these rounds flipped or for either guy i could see it because they're just super close rounds and i think that we you need um steve steve far is very good I really like Steve Farhood. Maybe you should have another guy as well uh, judging this fight with them. So if they have two different scorecards, right? Steve Farhood has a different scorecard and that guy has a different scorecard. That kind of lets the fans know, okay, well, this one's kind of, you know, it's one of those fights where you can see it a bunch of different ways. That might have helped in this fight. Just someone else saying like, ah, you know, I'm just, this is what I'm looking at. This is the kind of work I'm liking in this fight. I don't think the commentators, they're, they're judging the fight as it's going along, but I don't think anyone's really talking about you know, this is what I think is being more effective in the fight. So round seven, like another circled round, but I go to Castano. Round eight, Castano. Round nine, Castano. So Castano takes three rounds in a row. Then Charlo hurts Castano in round 10. And this right here is critical, is I have this a 10-8 round for Charlo. Because I believe that when he hurt Castano, Castano was very, very hurt. And Charlo was applying pressure and to me, it was the closest they had to a finish in this fight. And anytime I know, you know, you score 10 8 when someone gets dropped. Um, but what I think if you're close to being finished, right? If you're if they're you're uh, threatened to be finished in the fight, that's 10 8 round. So I scored that a 10 8 round for Charlo. Round 11, Charlo, right? Charles, uh, Charlo is very effective in round 10, 11, and 12. And that's what everybody kept telling me on Twitter. Yesterday, they were saying, like, he was affected the last few rounds, and I, I didn't really see it that way. Besides round 10, I knew, but I thought, you know, I maybe round 10, I when I'm watching it, and I'm thinking, like, he's really got to get a finish at that point. I think Castano's really ahead. He doesn't, you know, it didn't. he didn't feel uh, aggressive enough for me. He didn't feel like he was taking enough chance for me. But, you know, if like I said, if you're scoring the fight the way I scored it this time, it makes sense. He just wants to win the round. So maybe I, you know, was critical of him for not being aggressive in those positions when I felt like he really needed to push it. So I thought he takes round 10, uh, 10, 11, and 12, and 10 being a 10-8. I score 114 Charlo, 113 Castano, right? So one night, one day I scored for Castano. I don't think I watched the fight as clear as I watched it today. But today when I watch it, I score for Charlo. So that tells me this is an extremely close fight, and I can see multiple ways of looking at it. The draw ends up being the right decision. I'm okay with the draw. I would have been okay now today looking at it. I would have been okay for a decision for Charlo. I would have been okay for a decision with Cassiano. I got one, two, three, four, five, six close rounds in this fight. So that means if I even, what if I flipped all those rounds to one guy, right? Well, then 117, 111 isn't that insane at that point. That's what I'm saying. I think we have a misunderstanding of what's going on. And now this judge is getting killed. And I'm saying right now that I have one, two, three, four, five, six rounds that I said, man, probably could debate those either way. I, I'm going this guy. That's what I'm saying. I, I, we need 
the judging is so important, but we treat it as if like, well, it's at the end. Let's just see what happens. And I think it needs to be maybe open scoring. Remember, we need to know who the judges are. Maybe they need we need um, uh, grades on them. We need people commenting about it. People start talking about bets more. They need to talk about judging more. We have the Steve Farhart comes in. Uh, probably two times in the fight, maybe three times in the fight. And he knew the guys just talking about the whole time. And he's like, look, the ju- this is going to be scoring for them. This is going to be effective. Probably make Steve Farhood a full-time commentator for with the guys as he's talking about the score in the fight. I think that we, I think that there's a, there needs to be more of an understanding here. There needs to be more transparency with this because we can't get to these fights where they're close. And every time they're close, we feel like someone gets screwed, right? And I felt that. That's, I felt that way yesterday. I felt Cassano was screwed. Today, I scored for Charlo. It was just a great fight. I think the draw is perfectly acceptable now that I've seen this fight. And I can't wait for the rematch. But we need to get transparency so we can avoid the situation where everybody thinks it's either fixed or people are arguing. It was just a great fight. It was a damn great fight. Castano proved that he was as skilled as can be. Charlo proved he was as, as skilled as can be. And Charlo, who's having the complete opposite career of his brother, who is finding all these um, credible opponents, these opponents that we're going to give him a lot of respect for for beating, especially Tony Harrison. Um, you got um, uh, uh, Ros- uh, Rent- uh, Rosario, Jensen Rosario, uh, Erickson Lubin, who he may fight again, and Castano. These are all big, huge wins, and his brothers look for these wins, and he can't seem to find them. And this Charlo, who's created his own, uh, has created his own path, is, you know, really discovered his power, his speed. And he has the best stamina in boxing. He does. He has the best stamina in boxing. I'm going to give it to him. He literally is the same guy from the first round to the last round. Power is there. The speed is there. Everything is there. And if you fight him, you got to honestly fight your best fight. And Castano fought probably his best fight and was still hurt twice. In the fight, and as I scored it today, he lost. He lost by one point for that ten eight round. Now, if you don't want to give that ten eight round, right? I give it a ten eight round. If you don't give it a ten eight round, it's a draw. I scored it a draw. Then, if you don't, that's not a ten eight round. This is a great fight. I can't wait for the rematch. Um, like I said, I was pissed yesterday about the decision, and I just needed to look at it closer. And I think that you know everybody's watching it. And certain things can make you feel like a guy's winning the fight, especially pressure applied, um, more shots thrown. But it's only the clear shots. It's only who's landing the more cleaner shots. That's all it is. Whether you're going fo- forwards, backwards, upside down, doesn't matter. Who's landing the cleaner shots? That's the same way I score for MMA, same way I score for boxing. Who's landing the cleaner shots? Who? That's it. That's it. There's really nothing else. Who's landing cleaner shots? And MMA, if you get the takedown, they, you know, I, I score takedowns um, more than I would my personal self because they, they do an MMA. So I want to be more accurate within the rules of what MMA is doing. And I feel like somehow MMA has defined their decisions more clearly than boxing has. And boxing has done this for years. I've been watching boxing since I was five years old. Right. I'm, I'm 31 now. You've done they, they, They've been doing this for years. They have never fixed this issue. Okay, they've, they've never. Only one idea was ever came out was open scoring. That's it. They've never fixed this issue. We have to get transparency. There has to be something done for not the fixing of fights, not to stop the. Well, I mean, of course, to stop fixing, but to at least allow an understanding of the fans of what the judges are seeing or why an outcome came out the way it did. On the undercard, you had Rolando Romero versus Anthony Yijit. 
Um, Anthony Yidget, late replacement, came in overweight. But I, even if he would have came in in shape um, with the training camp, not a late replacement, he loses this fight. And Rolando Romero, who's kind of becoming, what would I call him? He's kind of becoming like a, he's becoming like a celebrity, but not really for his boxing skills. It's more like an inside joke for boxing, I would say, boxing fans. And I'm not saying he can't fight. He definitely has, you know, found, to me, boxing is beautiful because you don't want, there's not one certain way to fight. What you have to find is a style that works for your body, and you have to work that to where you could get the most tools out of it, and you apply that to get someone else. So say someone else has, you know, fights all the correct ways, right? But you, like Dante Wilder, have one big right hand, and that one big right hand, you learn a thousand different ways of landing it, you learn a thousand different ways of throwing it, and you know if you touch someone, they go to sleep. That's the beautiful thing about boxing. It's It's the fairest sport in the world. And if you come and... Find a style that works for you and you find what your best and what your body allows you to do. You can accomplish great things. So when it comes to Rolando Romero, he found something that works for him. He's super aggressive. He's got, you know, um, a big right hand. He is finding a home for it. He found it, uh, you know, his, his, his legs aren't like, you know, what you would have want or, you know, imagine. But he found a way to make it work for him. And he uses his aggression and strength and everything to, you know, make you uncomfortable in the fight. So I'm credit to him for doing that. Now, do I have my expectations of where it can go for him? Yes, I do. But it doesn't matter what I have or what I think or what anyone thinks. This guy's going to get opportunities. And if he he can use the tools, his tools better than the other guy, he's going to win the fight. Anthony Gizek could have had a whole camp. He wouldn't have won this fight. Okay, he does well, maybe fights more in the way that people imagine you're supposed to box. He doesn't have the ability. He doesn't have any gifts, really, in this fight. And I knew that his head pulled up too much, and he was just going to get hit with the right hand. Eventually, he would crumble. And that's what happened. And now Rolando Romero, to me, has had two late replacement fights. And these matchups got a lot easier. Now, not really his fault, but... Where do we go here? From here, uh, go on from here. Tank Davis? That doesn't seem realistic to me, especially not pay per view. So they need to find an opponent, a credible opponent, for him to fight. To let's find out if he can legit do something at one thirty-five. If he's legit has staying power. I don't think you could do Tank Davis. I think they would love to do Tank Davis because I think they think Tank Davis could win that fight. I think that Rolando Romero is going to talk a lot of crap. He's going to bring a lot of personality. Um, people are going to be interested to see if that style is any effect, uh, any way effective against Tank Davis. But I just don't think that's going to. I don't think that's going to work. I don't think you can sell pay per view on that. I think you're going to have to get Rolando Romero one more criminal opponent before that happens. Before that fight happens, I'm interested to see who it is. I'm interested to see maybe they could do like a Chris Colbert matchup um, on Showtime Championship Boxing or something like that. But I know Ro- Rolando Romero is. I know what people expect of him. But it doesn't matter what we expect of him. He's going to have the opportunity to do it. That's why I love boxing. Is that you think, we think we know what the guys look like. And 
we think that if you saw this guy training and hitting the pads, you'd be like, no, it doesn't work, right? But no one could tell him anything if he goes in there and knocks someone out. No one could tell him anything. So Rolando Romero, at the two opportunities he's got, he's putting the guys to sleep. He's putting a beating on them. And the train keeps rolling. You go to the UFC. You got Islam Makachev versus Thiago Moises. And I was excited for this fight. And I thought that maybe the stand-up portion of this could get very interesting. But the Islam Makachev, he wasn't in the mood for that. He was in there to apply pressure. He, he's one of the smartest fighters uh, in fighting in MMA. Um, his takedown is extremely effective. His grappling is damn good. He's defensive. Defense in the stand-up is really good. He's very smart, very aware. Um, he doesn't abandon it. He doesn't panic. He doesn't do anything to put himself in a bad position. He's just there to win fights. That's really what he is. He's in there to win fights. And that's what he did against Thiago Moises, who's a very good opponent. Like, he's not a bad fighter. Now, I don't think maybe people didn't don't know him or people don't just expect him to get run through. He was kind of an under big underdog in this fight. Um, but Thiago Moises can fight, and his stand-up is very good. And he he's, very, he's pretty good on the ground himself. Now, Islam is just superior to him on the ground. Yeah, and Islam was looking a little more aggressive with the takedowns this time. And the stand-up portion was good. I thought that, uh, you know, Thiago did some things I liked. Uh, Islam did things I liked. But just when the ground, when it came to the ground, it was just too one-sided. Islam is going to be a problem at 155. And if he gets Tony Ferguson next, he's going to put a beating on him. Um, if they're going to pull him all the way up to Chandler, like, they expect big things from him. Um, I think that he's ready for the big things. It's just weird because the UFC rankings, can you skip a guy ahead from like 10 to all the way to the number three or the number two guy? He has that kind of talent to be competitive with anyone. That's going to be up to the UFC to make that decision. I would love to see it. I don't really need to see him fight guys at the, uh, you know, the, the outside of the top 10 or barely in the top 10 anymore. I think I would like to see him versus the top five guy now. I think he's shown every test they put him in there. With so far, before you know, he got knocked out. Though after he got knocked out, um, he's been effective and just devastating and just dominant. In the matter of fact, and I just think he's a truly, truly uh, special fighter. And I think the the more challenges they get, he seems like he's gonna show up and get better, and really just be ready for the moment. And that's what it seems like. On the undercard of that, you had Misha Tate's comeback, and I picked against Misha Tate in this fight. I did. I, I thought that this was... Um, I thought Misha Tate was kind of a fossil for as far as skills-wise. I thought she was kind of a fossil, right? I thought that she was going to kind of bring just, like, only the ground and be very, you know, stiff on the stand-up and unbalanced. But I thought her stand-up looked damn good, and she had added a beautiful jab, and she was really effective. Now she was fighting a fighter that was 44 years old. So maybe she looked effective because she's fighting a 44-year-old, and she got to use more weapons than she'd be able to use against a current you know, top uh, contender. There's a very good chance of that. So I'm not sure how much to make of it. What it showed me was, at least I know she's not shot, right? She's not shot. She still has her own ability. She still has her balance. She's looked very effective on the ground, very dominating, very control, uh, controlling heavy hips, which is what I expected from her on the ground. And in the stand-up, though, it was a little more fluid than I expected. It was a lot more fluid than I expected. But like I said, the level of the opponent was on a four-fight losing streak, 44 years old, the fours are wild, you know what I mean, and it didn't show me that Misha Tate was getting ready to compete for a title, because I don't think she can beat Nunez, I know for a fact she can, but maybe, you know, rematch with Holly Holm makes a lot of sense, I think that would be a, a fight that, you know, 
get fight fans talking, especially M- uh, MMA fight fans talking on a good undercard pay-per-view. Um, that's what I see. I don't... It's hard to see what she, you know, really what what she was bringing to the table. But I just know what I saw. I liked the jab looked good. The stand up looked balanced. It looked uh, her movement looked fluid. Everything looked like okay. Let's see. I'm ready now. I'm ready to see her against some real opponents. Now my fake money real bets. We well, it's a push. You know, it's had Charlo. When I scored the fight this week, well, today I had him. I thought he won the fight, but you know, a draw was makes a lot of sense. So it's a push. We're still at a, a 1.7, and we're going to go to next week to see what we got. Um, next week was supposed to be a huge weekend of fights for Wilder and Fury. We're not getting that. So I'm not really even 100% sure what's on the schedule for next week. But this week, we were we were gifted a, a beautiful fight in boxing, and we were gifted a, a beautiful fighter in MMA with Islam Makhachev. And we just got to wait for that Jamal Charlo-Castano rematch. And it's going to be... It's gonna be hi- it's gonna be hyped the next one, and I think that you know as much as I don't like the controversy, I think it you know it's gonna help it. Both guys have claimed that they won the fight, um, and we know, I you know what changes can Jermel make in the fight? I think, you know, definitely, there was ranges that I thought that he could have been more effective in that he wasn't right. He when he pushed even when he pushed Castano back, he he never really was truly one hundred percent effective. There wasn't a lot of ranges that Jermel Charlo owned in this fight. Now he not say like I said, I scored it that he won after looking at it today, but I thought there was more ranges that he could have took a few more chances in. And I want to see that in the next fight. Thank you guys for listening. This has been the Ezra Podcast.